0: Casters and welcome to the first episode of the Rumcast for 2022. I'm John Gullah, and with me, as always, is Will Hookinga up there in Tennessee, and we are very excited to be back and have some big things planned for this year. But first, Will, I know we got some great feedback from the 2021 year in review we episode, did. and some listeners uh, sent in some stuff.
1: Yeah, we're in a little bit, we're going to get into, we're, we're going to put all the focus on 2022, <laughs> and make a few predictions of what we think might happen. But before that, uh, we had we had some listeners send in some some great thoughts and some of their picks of some of their favorite rums, kind of going off of the theme of our last episode of 2021. So wanted to point out a few of those to give uh, anyone listening, you know, maybe some more recommendations of, of things they should check out and that sort of thing. So yeah, fir- first of all, we ho- we heard from Jeff from the Memphis Rum Club. He actually went to the trouble of using our own Rumcast cast categories that we used on the year in review episode and gave us his picks for each of those categories. So I yeah. wanted to give a shout out to Jeff for putting in the extra effort to do that. And uh, also just wanted to read through some of his picks real quick because yeah. there's some good ones in here. That was
0: cool. It made me smile a bit to see he used the categories.
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So unaged pick from Jeff was the Habitation Velier Forsyth's Worthy Park 502, which is a classic Unaged, mm-hmm. one of my favorite unaged rums I've ever had. So I think Jeff got to try that for the first time in 2021. And you know, any year where you try that for the first time, I think it's gonna be tough to not include it as a, a favorite of some sort. <laughs> um aged, I know this is one that was popular with a lot of people. A lot of people were really blown away with this release. It, for me it was one of the most interesting rums I tried last year. The mm-hmm. Holmes Key MOBA twenty seventeen release. I struggled. Uh, John, I know. I know you is. were yeah. a big fan of that one, right? Yeah. Yeah.
0: I, I, when I was putting together my list, I was like, oh, gosh, I just, you know, Homeski does so many great things. It was hard for me <laughs> to kind of select. Right. Uh, but yeah, that that is a fantastic bottle. So totally agree there. And I think that was a good pick by him.
1: And uh, his pick for new to me was Foursquare, which I think is a good reminder that, like, you know, as Hmm. as much as when you've, you know, been really into rum for several years, at a certain point, you kind of are like, you, you kind of sense that some people are, like, tired of hearing about Foursquare or, you know, that kind of thing. But, like, it's a good reminder that there's still so many people out there who, like have yet to get to Foursquare, you know, yeah. like the, uh, maybe they've had Doorly's or Real McCoy or something like that, but like, right. you know, Old kind of the ECS rigged. line and, and that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. um, so many people out there who have yet to try it. So it's always cool to see that. Just Value Pick was a really good one that I hadn't thought of, which is a rum I know people, are, a lot of people are big fans of, Dr. Bird. Uh, which is rum sourced from Worthy Park and then Mm -hmm. finished in Moscatel wine casks. It's Two James distillery in Detroit, I believe, that does that. I think think a lot of people don't know that about Dr. Bird, that it's like it's a craft distillery here in the U.S. that I don't believe makes rum, but like they have this rum that they put out from sourcing and doing their own kind of finishing that's kind of Mm -hmm. become a hit. Uh, lots of cocktail enthusiasts so they
0: have another one too i think it's a Madeira cask i don't know how available that is but uh, i've heard good things about it they've
1: done some other other casks am i crazy or did i see a vermouth one at some point i think Hmm. i did but someone correct me if i'm wrong Um, and then to round it out real quick jeff's most surprising was the privateer new england white and overall favorite treaty oak barrel reserve rum barrel 20 so a couple Ah. of american rums coming in there those are both really good john i've got to get you some of that treaty oak i know Man, i've been telling I, you i'll send you a sample for forever now but i know i was gonna lay the guilt trip on you I just know. now i'm, I'm laying it on myself yeah so i really want to try that treaty oak yeah I'll, I'll, I'll hook you up soon but shout out again to jeff and memphis rum club if you are close to memphis check them out they have a website at memphisrum.club. that's kind of cool a dot club yeah. url MemphisRum.club. so check it out there's a link to their instagram there as well And then one more emailer wrote in, Derek came in and mentioned that two of the rums that he would strongly recommend for both of us to try if we haven't yet would be Mm -hmm. the Black Tot 50th Anniversary and Black Tot uh, Master Blenders Reserve. He said, amazing stuff with Old Navy style rum that makes time stand still in a good way. And I, I don't know if you've tried either of those, John. I, I really would like to try those. I, I actually only just within the past few months tried, like, the standard mm-hmm. Black Tot blend okay. for the first time. And you know what it reminded me of? was What's like that? It reminded me a lot of a proofed-down OFTD. Like, really huh. similar kind of vibes from it and like, super drinkable. I thought it was really tasty. So it was just a sample that I had. But um, so it it made me like, really curious to try those the the releases that that Derek mentioned. So yeah, got to find a way to get a taste of those as well.
0: I'll see if I can help you out with that. I I have had the pleasure of tasting Ooh. all of those, actually. Oh, nice. And uh, I, the Florida Rum Society did an event last year with Mitch and uh, Black Tot, and mm-hmm. we had, like, a tasting kit, and I know that the 50th was part of it, as well as the standard blend, and then some of, like, the deconstructed elements of what goes into it, which oh, was a really cool way to do it. Fantastic presentation and really, really fun. So, kudos to Mitch for that. We, we got to get Mitch on at some point to talk about the more Black Tot. For sure. But, so, here. here here's my quick take my quick hot take okay is number one i'm not a super fan of the regular blend okay i don't know what it is about it but there's something in there that is kind of just different and and just from my palette doesn't work as well however did you get the oftd vibes like i did you know i hadn't thought about it in that way now that you've said that my brain will probably make the connection (laughs) more you know how that works
1: right Um, i incepted
0: you yes (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, you know, I would go back to it and see and maybe figure out. Uh, Having said that, let me make sure I I state that I think this is a a super quality good rum Mm -hmm. that a lot of people will enjoy. And just because maybe it doesn't fall into my palate as much uh, doesn't mean that I think other people won't enjoy it. What I did enjoy... Very, very much, of course, was that 50th anniversary. Nice. Um, and, you know, frankly, I, I we tried a lot of rums in 2021, and i kind of just forgotten about it because it was only a, t- a, a tiniest, you know, one-ounce sample that I had one night. Right. Uh, and, and, of course, wasn't able to get the full bottle and, and revisit it over yeah, time. It's,
1: it's always tough. Like, I know when I was making my picks for our favorites, like, I certainly had plenty of one-ounce samples that, like, blew me away, but like, it's, it's always tough to be like, I only had like a little bit of it. Can I really say it was one of my favorites, you know? So I, I try, I try to mostly go with stuff that I had Multiple tastings of, or had a full bottle of that kind of thing. So uh, same um, here. And one, one more thought from Derek. This is actually a good thought for maybe our 2022 interview when we get to it. Um, was the idea of maybe adding a multi-country or multi-distillery blend category? He he said. I think that's, yeah. He said, I do love all the single barrel slash distillery releases, but somehow the blends seem to get missed out from yearly awards, social media, yeah. etc. So good note there. And he's one, absolutely will- right. Yeah, one will take into consideration. But with the twenty twenty one thoughts now firmly in the rear view, should we look ahead to twenty twenty two and and make some predictions? What what are we doing here? What like <laughs> wait we're we're gonna make some predictions. What yeah. what what kind of predictions are these, John? I
0: love how you asked that because that's where I started. What are we doing here with uh, predictions and trying to figure out exactly what this is and how we want to approach it? So what we're trying to do, I think, and where we settled was to talk about the year of what we think will happen with rum in some way connected to the rum hobby or to rum in general in the year 2022. So so this is incredibly difficult, I think, to start thinking about when I started thinking about, okay, I'm like, my brain's going all over the place into what I think. And then I tried to start saying, well, this isn't, I want to try to do this in a way that I have some lines of evidence beyond just like,
1: I think this is going to happen. Right, right, right. So
0: that will be, I think, the fun part for me was trying to explain why I think what I think is going to happen in 2022. What about right. you? How did you mentally approach that?
1: Yeah, it's tough because there's so many different directions that mm-hmm. you can go in. And I think you don't want to pick something that, like, is too broad and too vague. And, like, like you want to pick something that, like, you can tell it happened or it didn't at the yeah. end of the year, you know? Yeah. And at least if you want to make it interesting. So that's that's what I tried to do. I, I, I have two that I think are more kind of, like, I don't want to say they're trend-related, but they're just kind of, like, direction i think rum is going in a lot of places and i have one fun one that um (laughs) is is my biggest risk but also the highest reward if i'm right so interesting i'll save that one we each did three and we don't know what each other's are no and one thing we're gonna do to make this extra fun or extra stupid depending on how you look at it (laughs) is when each of us gives a prediction, the other one is going to respond and say whether we are buying, selling, holding on the prediction um, and what I mean by that is if we're buying that means like okay like imagine we this agree, prediction right. is like a stock or something mm-hmm, like that like mm-hmm. now is the time to get in on this prediction like I'm buying as much of this as I can because I think it's going to come true and this is going to go to the moon if we're selling then that's like man you are all alone there I'm not <laughs> I don't want any more of that prediction uh, this is the best put it's you on gonna an island. with that I, I want yeah. to liquefy any any <laughs> investment I have in that prediction <laughs> and then holding of course i think would be reserved for predictions that we think are, are like good but like probably not going to happen this year like like we're not mm. going to buy anymore we're not going to sell we're just going to kind of wait and see how things play out before we really make a call so yeah that's that's how this is going to go so
0: here we go number one prediction for 2022 is a continued shift toward ultra premiumization through limited and specialized offerings Ooh.
1: that that sounds like uh it sounds like you're about to give us like a a presentation for the board of directors (laughs) at diageo or something i i took this assignment seriously damn it (laughs) this sounds like a business school class i love it yeah
0: Please continue. So, okay. What I mean by that, all those big words, is that, you know, bourbon, gin, cognac, and even most recently tequila have all seen a significant rise in super high end offerings within the spirit industry. While we and maybe perhaps a lot of people who listen to our podcast are familiar with the high end options in rum, because that's you know, what mostly excites us as rum enthusiasts, I think rum is still among the last of the spirit categories to see this trend happen Mm. on a larger basis or more generally. So I, I think this is for a lot of reasons. It's likely because... We're weighed down still in rum by cheap mixers, as, you know, plenty of people know. And there's the long misled belief of what rum is, that it has to be mixed. And by a lot right. of people, again, outside of people who generally would listen to this podcast, I think that kind of, you know, puts all an the anchor.
1: misconceptions that we're all familiar right. with. We, yeah. we know
0: exactly. Yeah. But it, it, it yet and still, it is happening already. And I think we will see it happen specifically more. And when I say that, I'm thinking more specifically about single barrel series, cask selections being offered by various distilleries, independent bottlers and groups like Memphis, Tennessee and Florida and and others across the world uh, that are groups that are starting to
1: get together and have some pick power. I kind of I kind of feel like 2021 was like the year of the pick. Like so, I saw. Okay. So, so you, you, you
0: stole it from me. As a, I was
1: about to say it, you're I'm you're I'm
0: absolutely right. I think 2021 was the emergence of this, uh-huh. and we saw it flower or begin to flower. And now I think we're gonna see, you know, just like you would see a tree in a garden with one nice flower, and then boom, you've got five buds, and you know that more flowers are gonna start. And that's what I think is gonna happen here. I think with the success of Hampton's Bird Series, Appleton Hearts worthy parks single barrel picks chairman's yeah. master selections and and many others i have to believe we'll see a heap more of that in 2022 and onward in fact i would i would even go as much to say if there are companies out there not thinking about doing this that mm-hmm. produce room they need to like take a look in the you and you ask doing? themselves like why aren't you right so that that is it i'll pause here to get your reaction but i do have something tied to this that i think okay. is a dark dark side of this oh. prediction
1: Okay, so I am definitely buying this prediction. Yes. So kudos to you for selling me on it. You didn't really have to, spoiler, you didn't have to sell me that hard because, yeah, (laughs) okay. I'm buying this. I think most of the growth that rum category has seen over the past few years has come in that premium segment of the market, Mm -hmm. even Mm -hmm. though, like you said, comparatively, it's still small to a lot of other spirit categories. But I think Mm -hmm. we're definitely going to see more and more of that. And I hope, like you were saying, we will see... More brands investing in doing that stuff, and um, particularly, I'd love to see more investments that are kind of in that hundred, like 70 to a hundred dollar range of like premium releases. Agree, um, almost kind of like that four square zone. I think sometimes where brands go is they go to like the 200 you know dollar range or higher or higher of like ultra ultra premium with like the big fancy box and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. But like Mm -hmm. the rum is still 43% or 40% Mm -hmm. sometimes Mm -hmm. I'd love stuff like go, go younger, but higher proof, like more flavor and like give us stuff in that vein, like that master selection vein. That four square ECS vein. I'd love to see more stuff like that. So that's what I'm hoping to see. But but either way, I'm I'm buying
0: yeah. that. Well, you, you you led into what I wanted to touch on with this prediction, which is I'm leery of how it's implemented, which is exactly what you just said. And I agree with you fully. I think that's where I, I would hope people go. But I can't help but also think that, again, with the success of the Appleton Heart series and the MSRPs on those and some of the other ones, we're edging towards bourbon territory.
1: You've got those bourbon battle scars on you. And
0: so. Exactly. Yeah. I have PTSD from mm-hmm. the bourbon world and I'm like seeing it and I'm like, oh no, uh-oh, because I just don't want that... To happen like I'm it, it's this weird duality of a feeling of like I'm happy to see it happen because it's fantastic to have such amazing rare limited offerings and things like that but at the same time once you start to get priced out and or availabilityed out. I don't know Mm -hmm. if I can use that as a a term, but like you just can't ever find it. That's where I think there is a deflation in the enthusiasm of it. So like you, I want to see those, but I want to see them available. I want to see them be affordable. I want to see no secondary market starting to take hold of things that are ridiculous. That's what
1: I was about to bring up. I think yeah. where it gets really frustrating, and, and I don't have the bourbon experience that you do, but I think what gets really frustrating is when the releases, they all get bought up and then they go straight to the secondary market. Right. And that's like right. the only way to get one. I think that's what we as rum enthusiasts are hoping to avoid. It's bullshit and, and it shouldn't
0: happen. So mm-hmm. let's, I think it, it rests as much on the producers as it does on people, right? who are not looking at this as particularly just investment. I'm not saying there isn't a good investment to be had of like holding a bottle or buying two for some people because they want to hold one for later or for a special occasion. I'm talking about I'm going to buy five of these and then sell four of them for uh, ridiculous amounts. That's actually, Uh,
1: that's an interesting topic that I love. Like maybe we could do an episode on that and maybe have someone on from... um, I have a guy. Yeah, oh, you you have a a guy. guy. I know a guy. So, think, yeah,
0: I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hold that one in right now, okay. but I think we maybe can find someone to talk about that. We'll come back to that. Okay, cool. So, let's move on to your your pick, uh, your first of three. What, what do we got?
1: Okay, so my first of three is, I think that in 2022, a serious investment in local sugar cane production from a major producer is going mm. to happen, and... The reason I think that, there's there's a number of reasons. And when I say a, a major investment in local sugarcane production, what I'm meaning is I think that a major distillery is going to heavily invest in being able to have access to local sugarcane. Locally cane. produced sugarcane. So sugar cane. that might mean you know planting it. It might mean partnering with yeah. someone who's already doing it. It might be a combination. But I think that more and more producers are going to want to have access to domestic molasses domestic sugarcane juice sugarcane byproducts what have you and there's a few reasons i think that one i think consumers are only going to get more interested in stuff like where molasses comes from Mm -hmm. and is it ethically and responsibly produced how sustainable are the practices What's the consistency like in the molasses that you have? I think those are questions that people are, uh, producers are going to hear more and more from consumers. And if they don't have the best answers for them, you know, that's going to put pressure on them. So beyond that, I, I think also obviously having that access, it opens up the possibilities of what you're able to do maybe it's right. using the juice in some way right like we've like seen with foursquare, foursquare. exactly st lucia distillers is another one yep. Um, yep obviously that doesn't always happen right away like you may not see the the fruits of the investment and consumers might not see it in products for a few mm-hmm. years yep. but i think the investment will be made soon and also it's just It's a better story for your product when you can point to where the stuff comes from, and it comes from right here. Um, It adds to the idea of provenance for a product, you know, something that comes from one place and has Mm -hmm. all the qualities of that place. These are all things that, like, are being talked about more and more in rum and spirits in general. So, Mm -hmm. I think Mm -hmm. we'll see at least one major producer make a big investment this year in local sugarcane and we we've seen it like like one example i i I wouldn't put them as what i'm like when i say major producer i'm thinking of like a producer that like has a market presence everywhere basically Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. globally Um, yeah but like one Mm -hmm. example of this on a smaller level is like koloa rum in hawaii they have made major investments in planting sugarcane over the past few years and their eventual goal is to only use hawaiian sugarcane to make their rum and it's 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 interesting in places like hawaii because they used to have that there like hawaii used to be there was sugarcane everywhere there's the uh, lots of sugar came out of hawaii and it's all Mm -hmm. gone puerto rico is another place like that where like sugar used to be the economy in Puerto Rico—it's all gone now. The industry is gone. There is no—the yeah. uh, the only uh, yeah. distiller you'll find there using local sugar cane is San Juan artisan distillers because they planted it, and you know they're making right. cane juice rum from it. Right. So. I think, yeah, I just think there's so many opportunities there. It just requires someone inside the company to really have the vision and the commitment and like the desire to want to make that happen because it's not a small thing. And it's not the kind of thing where they can just like plant it. And switch, right. um, exactly. especially, especially if you're using molasses, because, you know, you can't just get molasses out of the sugarcane plant. You have to do sugar processing. Make sugar, right. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. so, I'm going to go out on a limb and I'm going to say that one of these major investments is going to happen this year.
0: So, my first response with that was, I'm not sure how many and how quickly, but you, you specified and said at least one. Yeah, so with that I, in mind, I will say I'm I'm going to buy
1: this. Oh, okay. And, I thought you might hold because this is I definitely one of those predictions where it's like it might not happen this year, but
0: right. No, yeah. I was close. I I was at hold until you said that specifically, where okay. I'm like, at, at least one. Yeah, I can see that happening in, in 2022. So we'll, I, we'll I'm continue
1: gonna, to monitor the situation.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm going to buy it, and I'm going to say also it's interesting because what you're pointing out is the difficulty in a startup being able to do that so it's really about established producers right now taking on this new angle of saying like okay can we now start locally sourcing like you mentioned foursquare is a good example but there are others but Um, the
1: interesting thing is you do see a lot of like like most i would say most of the sugarcane stuff unless it was already like an established place that does that's been doing sugarcane for a long time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, you see a lot of new places starting from scratch with sugarcane. San Juan Artisan Distillers is one example. Um, right. all, all those Hawaiian distillers that are doing cane juice rum is another example. Like they're starting from scratch, like planting their own sugarcane, working with farmers, that sort of thing. Renegade Rum in Grenada is another right. example um, where they're you know kind of starting from scratch, building a new distillery using. Uh, sugarcane kapali is another one so you you do see like a good amount of new distilleries and that's why like i I think predicting that another one of those will happen i I think we'll see multiple new distilleries doing this from the start in 2022 but i think what i'd what i'd love to see is more of these older you know legacy brands making investments in this so
0: right and well then those new startups add pressure to those old brands yeah to kind of say oh crap we we need to you know maybe think about getting on board with this before we get left behind and, and then, that's that, that's yeah.
1: the that's the long-term thinking of it so right right that's why i was saying i think you have to have someone who has that long-term thinking and isn't just thinking about the short-term because right. this isn't i think a short term payoff it's a it's right. a long-term bet but one that i think would be a smart one yeah All right, so my my
0: number two is actually related in a way to to your number one. I think there's a relationship there. My number two prediction is that there will be a marked trend from hobbyists and connoisseurs toward drinking premier, younger, and or unaged options Mm, uh, in 2022, and that that will be kind of the new trend to like all the rage. So, it wasn't that long ago, I think, the pinnacle of the rum line was commonly thought to be, like, the oldest option of a mm-hmm. distillery opera. You know, you're thinking 21-year-old Appleton, 21-year-old El Dorados, the Solera blends with the big numbers on the bottles, 30, right. 25, 23. Well, I think in 2022, we're going to hear more and more about rums that are aged four years or less, or completely unaged, being more hyped and and the oldest stuff falling a little bit more by the wayside in terms of the amount of hype uh, that it has gotten in the past. So I have a few reasons for why I think this is the case. Okay, Um, let's hear them. All right, here's number one is I think the drive towards single estate rums and the effect of terroir and cane varietals on the spirit, as we know from talking with producers that we've done, that it's best experienced with less or no aging. Mm. So y- those, yeah. those
1: also work in favor of like, it makes it so that the age is no longer ju- the only important thing about it. Their only special thing about it, you know, right. when you can have those other, those other things that come from being a single estate type producer.
0: Exactly. I think that is a trend that we are starting to pick up on more and more in the hobby. And I think that there was already, from what I could see in 2021, a sort of groundswell towards... A preference for this but i just think it hasn't hit momentum yet critical Mm -hmm. mass whatever you want to call it and i think it's it's closer now and and will hit that at some point in 2022 i'm thinking of uh places like privateer which has had some younger offerings kohana which we talked to fiji south pacific distillers reunion island haitian clarens unaged rums from the west indies and mexico Mm-hmm. Uh, and I mentioned Mexico last because I think, you know, tequila is one of the hottest trends right now in the whole spirits category. And I see rum picking up maybe a little bit on that trend with there being an overall expectation for less aging to produce a great premium spirit.
1: Well, and the other thing with some of those places like Mexico and, and Haiti, for example, with Clarence and Chirondas and and things like that. Yeah. is I don't think there was much traditional aging that went on with those. So, right. a lot of those are starting to be aged, you know, for the first time. And so, mm-hmm. you know, they're going to want to release them sooner rather than waiting for, like, the first aged Clarence were you know, never going to be 10 years or anything like that. So, right. I think but, it well, makes sense in those cases. But I think what you're saying is that the response when those releases come out won't be like, oh, this is too young.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Right. And, and nor do I think they need to be aged, you know, that old to be supremely enjoyed. Right. I, I'm, I'm still like I- over the moon in love with the uh, homeski Fiji Single Origin Blend, and you know that
1: one is aged is a blend up to two years. On the the Moba release that the, that Jeff exactly. mentioned in mm-hmm. in as one of his uh, his favorite aged drum of the year, I think is what around four four years. I think, I think it's, it's around the, there. It's, it's in like the three to four year range. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. So yeah. and that's another case of MOBA is a relatively new producer still. So their age releases are going to be on the younger side. And yeah, people are starting to see, wow, this is already amazing. Why do we need yeah. to wait longer to get this? Yeah,
0: exactly. And I just I think producers will be recognizing this trend. And I think they will be giving us more of it in 2022.
1: One question for you. How will we know whether this prediction has come true or not? What's something we'll see and be like, ah, John was right. Right. Mm, that is, that is good because uh, I'm not
0: sure how... I mean, y- we can try to find market share statistics and see, but I'm not sure how... I'm not doing that. How much... <laughs> <laughs> I was to say, I'm not sure how much uh, we can get into that. And I don't know, maybe somebody who listens is like, hey, I've got my finger on the pulse of market okay. share of things. And you know, if you do, please let us know and, and, and let me know whether I'm going to be right or wrong. That would be awesome. And one way to do it. Another way would be just to see uh, an increase in the amount of offerings... That are four years or less age. Okay.
1: Well, we'll maybe look for a few metrics that indicate whether this is happening or not. But it sounds like we'll mostly be going off of vibes a little bit. We'll we'll just we'll know it when we see it. Okay. <laughs> I, I I'm good with that. Uh, but
0: <laughs> but yeah, I, I guess if I had to put a quantitative value on it, I agree with you. I think vibes is the right way. But quantitative value would be something like at least. Three or four more offerings that are well-recognized and, how would you say, well-received releases from known distillers that are under four years in aging, or maybe even less than that, or, or simply unaged offerings that weren't previously available.
1: I think I will buy this in the enthusiast circles. I definitely think the enthusiast circles are ready for that. Mm -hmm. I will hold on it for like (laughs) broad mainstream markets because I think that's still a long way away from getting away from age statements and things like that. But I hope, I hope it'll continue to happen more and more. An interesting recent example of this was Hampton came out with the, their own single mark LROK releases Mm -hmm. or Mm LROC. And Mm -hmm. they the first one that came out, I believe was 11 years Mm-hmm. And they then came out with Elrock the Younger, which was five years. And Sounds tra- like a, a Latin person from history. Elrock the Younger. Elrock the Younger, yeah, yes. exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, he, he conquered half of uh, Western Carthage. Europe. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, but I, I tried those for the first time at the same time, and they were I I just, I did not think that the 11 year, I wouldn't have described it as better. They were both great. Hmm. I liked both of them a lot, but I like the five year to me was right there with the 11 year. And the difference in price, I think the 11 year was like $170 or something like that. They were at the same ABV. And so I've been watching and waiting for the younger to get to. The market here, and I've heard that it's uh, that it's 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 close to hitting stores here. So as soon as that arrives, like I'm I'm gonna buy the younger one yeah. because it's significantly uh, lower priced, and to me yeah. the quality like the Delta and the quality is is I don't even know if there is uh, they're just different, and they're both excellent. So.
0: Yeah. I guess, I guess we can count that one as uh, one <laughs> for 2022. Already, you're taking that one? Okay. <laughs> I'm
1: taking it. Uh, yeah. I think it's already available in Europe, but... Nope. Nope. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. You're number two. What are we... Uh... So my number two is another independent bottler outside of Europe is going to step up into the spotlight in 2022. And I think the comparison mm. for this is... And when I say into the spotlight, I'm talking about in rum enthusiast circles. Mm -hmm. And I feel like over the past year and a half or so, Homeski, for example, has become like really recognizable and already like pretty respected by rum enthusiasts. And I I basically am saying, I think we'll see, I'm not saying we'll see something like exactly the same as Homeski or even as good as Homeski because it's a high bar, but I think we'll see another household rum enthusiast independent bottler name that is outside of Europe come into the equation in 2022. I just think we're already seeing more and more of these. And there's even, Mm -hmm. there's like a few in the US even that are consistently releasing stuff. um, Like Rolling Fork is one example. Mm -hmm. That's what Um, I was thinking. Mm -hmm. They're interesting because I don't hear much about them from online rum, like rum enthusiast groups and stuff like that. Like you you don't see as Hmm. much conversation. From my perspective about them um i feel like maybe maybe part of they seem to be very focused on whiskey drinkers whereas homes key like eric is very plugged into the rum community like he's at all the festivals like he's going to the distilleries like he is a rum guy like loves it as part of the community and i think that goes a long way in becoming recognized by the community. So it's like someone like them could step up. It, it could be someone coming out of nowhere that we haven't even heard of. But I just think there's there's too much interesting rum available and too much of an appetite for it from enthusiasts that we won't start seeing other people kind of like take on this challenge of trying to build an independent brand and do interesting things. So I think we will see another widely embraced new independent bottler uh, mm. step into the spotlight in 2022. So
0: my my first thought with that is I, I agree in principle. And if we're talking about globally, uh, outside of Europe, like yes. you said, mm-hmm. uh, 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 yes, I can see it. My other thought there is I think you're right to point out Home's Key as being a, a what I would consider a huge success. But I also think that there's, it may appear as though that's kind of like, a pretty easy thing to maybe do and achieve that level of success. And I'm, I'm not sure that that's really the case. Oh, I don't I think, think it's that, easy. Yeah, I, I think it's, uh, you know, there may be a lot of people looking to replicate that, but I think it's really
1: difficult to achieve. All of this stuff, like both of the just like the last prediction I had, Mm -hmm. it's a long-term proposition. This isn't a, like starting an independent rum brand is not like a um, (laughs) get-rich-quick business to choose. It's a a business that you choose if you have passion um, and conviction about it for the long term. And so I think it takes a special person, a special company to do that. And That's exactly
0: where I'm going, Yeah, because that, that was kind of where I was tra- driving toward, is that I think a lot of the success from Homes Key so quickly came from that exact fact that 100%. Eric Eric and Maura, and and, and uh, they, they did enough of their research, they were steeped in, in the culture, their their fingers on the pulse, they talked to the right people. Yeah, And I, I just, I don't know how, because my, my experience is more, of course, focused on the U.S. I don't know if the U.S. has that individual or not in -hmm. 2022, maybe outside of it. I know there's things going on in Australia's market with um, some independent bottlers and uh, other places perhaps outside of Europe. But yeah, I'm primarily thinking about the US when I say I'm going to hold on the US, but I'm going to buy for somewhere other than the Europe and US. Interesting.
1: So you're buying outside US, but holding on US. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And interestingly, like another kind of example of this i wouldn't count this in my prediction because this is not a new person this is someone who's been there longer than most people is Mm -hmm. ed hamilton's latest batch of Ah, releases releases the single cast cast strength stuff i mean there's a bunch of those that are about to come out and he's he's worked with a lot of rum societies I, i think i saw that florida rum society did a pick i know austin rum society did a pick so that, like that's an example of like ed had done some stuff in the past like the saint lucia releases that right. were beloved but uh th- and this like these have a, a different label like it's it's almost like kind of like a different line from his other stuff so right like that's another signal of like someone else kind of like investing more in that direction so i think other people seeing more of this stuff happening is going to yep. inspire the right person to, to step up and and join people like Ed and, and Eric and other people around the world who are mm-hmm. doing cool stuff like that. So, yeah. I'm hoping to speak it into existence because I, I want more. I want more. I want more, John. <laughs> I think maybe
0: even you see more in Europe, too. So, I know Europe sure, has its yeah. its its independent bottlers out there who do a great job. But I think you may even see a rise of that in Europe as well. Definitely, um, I think I think there've already yep.
1: been been like a slew of new ones over there over the right. past few years. But
0: well, th- the biggest other point to add to your prediction there, which I think helps it, is a- a- at least I- have you heard about the status of some of the Velier products in the U.S. market?
1: I've heard we're going to be seeing less of some of them. Okay, that yes. that's where
0: what I've heard as well, which is a total um, bummer it sucks. And I, I'm obviously not happy about that. I know you're not and, and others are not, but it leaves the door open, of yep. course, for others. Exactly. So maybe I, maybe I,
1: think twice, Vellier. Maybe, maybe think twice. Yeah.
0: Don't leave us yeah. so soon, please. Did, did you also see... So I also... Well, I was researching for this on some, some stuff. I don't know if the validity of this site is good enough for me to claim it as a, a, a proper source. Runpredictions.com? yes that's uh, yeah i just i just uh got that domain name by the way so if anybody wants it no i'm joking um i don't remember it was like statista or something so it uh, already that struck website before it, it struck me as like i don't know if this is legit but it did say that the u.s was the leading rum place in the world sorry what's the word i'm looking for uh, consumers market the leading for place rum?
1: market yeah in the world by like double i think that's probably that might be right
0: well, I guess that is I presume because of the lower end products and the consumption of a lot of other rum uh, yeah, maybe are outside. I mean that's yeah.
1: that's the Bacardi and the Captain still, Morgan and stuff to, like that.
0: To abandon that market seems unwise at best.
1: I think you have to look at them as almost two different markets though because mm. the lion's share of what's what's buying that is like a completely different market at least right now. Again, it's a long-term thing. So
0: yeah, I guess it just goes with my earlier prediction that we're going to see more growth of that in the U.S. and in other places. Yeah. And if that's the case, and that's already the biggest market, it would make sense to keep going. So to your earlier point, maybe maybe rethink that.
1: <laughs> All right. So your third third and final prediction from you, hit me with it. I hope this All is something right. that I can sell. Neither of us have sold, and I want to sell on, on at least one. So. <laughs> Based on an earlier off-the-hand comment you made,
0: I think you may be selling. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, you may get your wish here. All right. I'll lead with this. uh, You know, Will, you know I'm an optimist, right? Uh, Yeah, I know. Okay.
1: I pick up up optimist vibes from you.
0: Okay. My, My third and final is the beginning of the end of misleading age
1: statements. Ooh beginning of the end of misleading age statements. Well, I did see that class action lawsuit uh, okay, against yes. a certain prominent rum brand a few months ago. I've been so needing to follow up and see what's going on with that, but I haven't yet.
0: I would love to have somebody on the program that knows more about that in detail, or to the extent we can even talk about an active right. lawsuit, I don't even know. But anyhow, so that, that was one of my points, but I, I think we are going to see the trend towards more transparency and more accurate age statements, and that will make a big leap in 2022. I'm going to point to a couple of things with this you already mentioned one and we'll talk about that a little bit but i I think the rum market continues to show uh solid growth especially in the super premium category as we talked about now here's a tough one i'm going to talk this out i could see listeners and you maybe being like no bullshit john you're wrong but Mm -hmm. i wanted to say it because this is my perspective and we'll see where it goes with with others feeling similarly or not i'm not really into tiki culture that much yeah. So I could be wrong, mm. but from my perspective, looking at the last year or two, tiki culture is kind of staying like relatively flat in terms of, I, I don't see it being a big thing that's gaining momentum in terms of that, like it used to be, you know, way back in, in the early part of the 20th century, or there was a resurgence, I think more recently, but I think that resurgence Definitely. is
1: capped Interesting. Is what I'm saying. Why do you think that?
0: There's a couple of reasons. One, if I think relative to rum sales growth and the the categories we're seeing growing are less about Did you about look up like drinks. Hawaiian
1: shirt growth trends or something? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I
0: should have. That would have been smart. I didn't. Um, but I do think that that's part of it is what types of rums are, are still gaining and the super premium category is the one which is less involved in like tiki culture drinking and uh, cocktails,
1: right? Well... So, I mean, okay. like, yes. I I would also say Tiki is, is interesting because I think it's also had a lot, it's played a big role in the the rise of the types of rum you're talking about. The the stuff that's not typically mixed, for example. Um, places like Smuggler's Cove, I think, have had a right. huge influence on the idea of enjoying rum neat, right. which is, is, is interesting because, you know, they're a uh, famous book is about how to make cocktails, but it has you know entire sections on rum and stuff like that. You go yes. if you go to Smuggler's Cove, you can have uh, have an amazing time there and not drink a single cocktail if that's what you want because they have an incredible selection. And they also put a lot of work into educating people on rum. Right. And Smuggler's Cove isn't the only place, so I do I like I do think it's played a really big role in, in Crete like putting the perception of rum as a a premium spirit, while at the same time also you know, doing the whole cocktail side of things, too.
0: I totally agree. And I think they are, they are, they have done a great job, so much so that what I'm saying is they've contributed maybe to the... I think that we're turning the corner a little bit in seeing the rum category or as a spirit starting to more rival Scotch, bourbon, and whiskey and cognac.
1: In, I, I see what you're saying. So, like, right. it contributed to the rise of this and that's continuing to take off and almost kind of, like, minimizing... The cocktail culture side of things. Well, I mean,
0: cocktails are always going to be there, right? And I'm right. not saying that those are going away. Nor am I saying the tiki is going away because I'm right. not. I'm I'm saying it's. I think staying relatively flat in comparison to the growth in well-respected idea of rum being able to rival those other spirits. Okay. So and and then also how is this one
1: connected o- to the whole I'm getting transparency there. thing? <laughs> okay.
0: So and I, I did want to mention also as part of this. You know, I, I don't know if you saw the news, like. I think it was like two days ago or one day, Lost Lake, Lost Lake in Chicago is closing. is closing.
1: Yeah, it's very sad. I mean, we you can't ignore the impact that the, of the pandemic, pandemic uh, is uh, going yes. to have on so many bars, and right. which, yeah, is tremendously sad.
0: It, it is. but And they're not alone. Kowloon in Boston, a huge hmm. Polynesian place, which is, I don't think it's as much known for rum uh, and tiki as it may be just Polynesian in general, but it, it, it falls in line with that. The Maikai here near me in Fort Lauderdale, is I think struggling. There, there's other reasons, as you mentioned, the pandemic. They had a big problem with a roof issue that they had to get through. So, you know, with this latest trend in the pandemic again affecting things, I, I'm seriously worried about that in terms of their uh, ability to keep going. So, uh, coupling a coupling all of those, which is a good things. reminder
1: to, by the way, if you if you value these places and you like them, to to find ways to support them right now. Right.
0: So okay, so that that's the the first reason really that I have, and building the case here for why I think transparency and the end of misleading age, age statements is because I think the perception of rum is trending towards the category of being consistent with Scotch, bourbon, and whiskey. Mm-hmm. So that that's that's kind of a shift in the perception of rum overall. The second one is, you mentioned this in yours, the emergence and continued success of independent bottler companies like Holmes Key, Rolling Fork, Dead Reckoning in Australia, and others that show that trend towards people wanting real-age statements, no additives, and more transparency. I've noted a lot more companies and newer distillers who are putting out new products from even Latin American countries, that are more clearly stating the age as the youngest age in the blend Mm -hmm. rather than the oldest and not using additives. Grander, I think, is leading the way here for a few years. But there are others. Bombarda, I mentioned recently, is doing that. And there are some others that are now coming up as well. So I I think first, kudos to them. And we should reward them for that by giving them more of our attention and perhaps buying power, if that's something we want to see continue. And that honesty, it's it's a duality here of saying, look, we, we have to show through market trends and our buying power and dollar what we prefer, as much as it is a company saying, we are going to make a commitment to being more ethically sound in this, right? I, I think that is an obvious point. We think, yes, they should, they should be more ethical with their approach to the selling. But the fact is, those rums sell, and that's why they keep doing it. Right. So we have to also couple that with our our buying power and and education uh, to keep going. The third reason you already mentioned you stole my thunder will, the lawsuit. Ah uh, yeah. yeah, so the class action lawsuit that was uh, filed against a, a well-known huge spirit company that produces that nearly ubiquitous rum uh, with a large 23 on the bottle. this is this I'll is the
1: Kappa, right? i mean we can say who it was like the <laughs> lawsuit is out there I, I,
0: I was like jumping through hoops not to say it, and you're like yeah Zakappa. kappa i mean
1: yeah people can Diageo. look it up
0: uh well yes but i'm just i'm trying to take the high road will but you know you you, you i don't think i took the low road i'm just telling, i'm just
1: i'm being transparent here at who we're talking about <laughs> so yeah. people aren't left to wonder well,
0: for, for those who may not know, there was a class action lawsuit. It claimed that the number on the bottle is misleading to consumers since the product is not aged for that amount of time, and that they're being intentionally deceptive with it in order to drive up sales in their pricing. So, I'm not a lawyer, and I'm not going to play one here on this here uh, <laughs> podcast. Um, but. My legally completely unofficial opinion uh, on this is that the plaintiff is going to win and that 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 lawsuit uh, will affect the landscape and force a ton of companies engaged in similarly questionable practices to very quickly have to rethink their strategy and hopefully, you know, do the right thing, causing a domino effect there. I mean, if I were a company that had anything that could be construed as a similar practice to that, I'm not going to wait and hope mine doesn't get a lawsuit slapped on it, too. I'm going to be proactive and then hopefully cast that as a shift as a positive evolution of my own thought on being more transparent and hoping that that has a positive effect. So I, I see this as the pebble that starts the landslide.
1: Well, you started this by saying that you are an optimist and <laughs> I would agree with you. Um, I am not as much of an optimist. I don't know if I'm a full-on pessimist, Yeah, but I, in things like this, when it comes to like big, large companies doing the right thing. I'm much more of a pessimist than an optimist. So I am going to sell on this prediction as you predicted I would. Um, It's not that I don't think, like I do think we'll see more moves towards transparency from companies this year. Like Mm -hmm. I, I can see that, but I think on the whole, I think the rum category is still like a long ways away from if, it, if it's not if it's age statements now, it'll be something else next year. You know, hmm. there's always that gonna be, is really pessimistic. There's yeah. always going to be some way to deceive people, and I think it's going to take a, a, a lot of time before rum gets to a place where there's enough buying power and advocacy for transparency to really change the way a lot of the biggest companies in the space do things. I you know I'm not this is somewhere between a hold and a sell. Like I do think we're going right. to see it improve over time, mm-hmm. but I think it's going to take a long time before we see like really transformative change at like the highest levels uh of the it, category it, in yeah. terms of in terms of like economic influence. If we were to say
0: more definitively three or more rums will get rid of that deceptive age statement in 2022
1: i'm sorry you on? to i you still selling, selling. i'm okay. selling
0: all right i mean i'm just trying to put that out there i hadn't pre-thought that out and i, I think i it's like still that tall order. that
1: makes it easier to tell if right. it comes true or not so right
0: so let, let's give it that and um we'll say all right so i'm gonna i'm gonna say three or more and you're gonna say you're selling on that for yes. 2022 all right sounds good also it just really depends on how long that class action lawsuit takes because those things can take years so if that's the case, yeah, I'm screwed.
1: Stop hedging on your prediction, prediction John. <laughs> we've we've established I'm sticking the rules. To it. We've established I'm sticking the rules. To it. It's gonna happen. And <laughs> then right. I get
0: to beat you with it when it happens.
1: We'll see. So, we'll see who all wins. All right.
0: All right. Finish this out here.
1: All right. I'm gonna finish this out with with uh, my most out there prediction. So <laughs> I'm so ready to sell. I- <laughs> <laughs> so I think we are going to see a Foursquare Exceptional Cast Selection release with a name that breaks new ground. And <laughs> let me explain what I mean what? by that. Yeah, so, wh-
0: you're going to have to explain that one.
1: We we all know that anytime one of these releases comes out, there's a good chance that it's going to expand our vocabulary mm-hmm. in some mm-hmm. way. You know, over the years, we've seen names like Sagacity, mm-hmm. Redoubtable, mm-hmm. Shibboleth, and even... Mm-hmm. Back in 2019, the eight-syllable... I think it's eight. I counted this on my own. But, you know, I feel like sometimes people disagree on how many syllables are in a word. But the eight-syllable, Potenziario. So, in 2022, what I'm predicting is that even that release will be topped with the first nine-syllable Foursquare ECS release. (laughs) And I've got some ideas for what this could be, okay? So you're going to pitch these? I'm going to pitch these right now. Okay, all right. Um, So candidate number one, latitudinarianism. Doesn't that just sound (laughs) like something that you could see being a Foursquare release? Doesn't it? Um, Would you be surprised if the next bottle label that you saw pop up online said latitudinarianism on it? Gosh, I think I think I would. I feel like Plenty
0: Potenziario <laughs> was uh, the, the beyond the pale uh, there. So I don't know. I have a hard time seeing that. even from how are you fitting all those characters onto that label at that point?
1: It would have to be scrunched. It's like when the 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 player jerseys sometimes they have like yeah. the two last names and it like does like yeah. a, like a rainbow shape on the jersey. You'd
0: have to rainbow shape
1: it. Yeah. Wow. Um, but hold on, let me let me read you the definition parabola. of lati- let me read you the definition of latitudinarianism. Okay, 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 because this was interesting. I didn't know about it. So latitudinarians or latitude men were initially a group of seventeenth century English theologians from the University of Cambridge who were moder- moderate Anglicans. In particular, they believed that adhering to very specific doctrines, liturgical practices, and church organizational forms, as did the Puritans, was not necessary and could be harmful. And here's a quote from um, a scholar who wrote about this. They basically Mm. believed that, quote, "...the sense that one had special instructions from God made individuals less amenable to moderation and compromise or to reason itself." So mm. even after hearing the definition, it just seems like something like I can see Foursquare, latitudinarianism. It's that, gonna that happen. It does sound Richard Sealish. It does. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. candidate number two. Okay. Extraterritoriality. <laughs> Extraterritoriality. So the definition. All right, make of this, this one make sense. In international law, extraterritoriality is the state of being exempted from the jurisdiction of local law, usually as the result of diplomatic negotiations. Mm. So I don't know. I could maybe see like some making some kind of GI connection with extraterritoriality. Um, I could see something there, and then my third and final candidate. Okay. This is the one I'm less certain about being a shoe-in choice like the other two. I just mentioned which are obvious shoe-ins. But okay. the third choice, rhombi icosa dodecahedron Oh, my God. Do you So, this know, is a shape. Do you know, yeah. John, what a rhombi icosa dodecahedron is?
0: Well, uh, so I know what an icosahedron and a dodecahedron are because of my Dungeons & Dragons uh, (laughs) experience.
1: (laughs) I know what a dodecahedron is because in fifth grade, we had an activity where we made a paper dodecahedron. So that has always stuck with me. But I was not familiar with the Rhombi-Icosa dodecahedron.
0: Oh, I I presume that is
1: a... You're never no, going to get I'm, it.
0: I'm, I was going to say, I'm, gonna, <laughs> I'm not going to presume. I'm going to let you explain it. Yeah. So
1: the rhombi icosidodecahedron has 20 regular triangu- triangular faces. That's 30, an icosahedron. 30 square faces. Oh. 12 regular pentagonal faces. Oh. 60 vertices and 120 edges.
0: Oh, wow. That
1: is the rhombi icosidodecahedron. Okay. And it is a nine-syllable word so i'm making yeah. the prediction nine syllable foursquare ecs release i know richard has that that little book full of name ideas that he told us about his first time on the podcast so these are three <laughs> you're hoping that can, those are in that, that, that can, book well no i'm saying three <laughs> like go ahead and add them if they're not oh, there already okay. because like uh. i said latitudinarianism extraterritoriality like yeah those they, they just scream foursquare so free yeah. ideas given here on the rumcast today but that's my prediction. Nine, nine syllable, nine syllable word. Are you buying, selling, or holding?
0: Oh, I don't know. Anti-disestablishmentarianism might be one he <laughs> might go to first. How did <laughs> I miss that one? How did I forget about that? How many syllables is that? <laughs> I have no clue. Don't make me count. <laughs> so no, I mean it, obviously we're we're having a little fun here, but I'm gonna have to sell. I'm on not this having will. fun. I'm
1: I'm deadly serious right now.
0: Oh goodness. Well, even more than I'm gonna have to shoot you down here. Yeah, I'm selling on this. As I mentioned earlier, I think was, uh, uh, plenty potenziario uh, was plenty, and uh, yes, it probably is going to reach the farthest bounds of the syllables that I think I'm I, I'm expecting from right. Richard at this point. I, I just I can't see Richard saying, you know what, to, I'm going to do today. I'm going to spend. A few hours looking at nine or more syllable words because that is the bar that I have set.
1: So, with he might not even think about it. It might just happen, you know. It,
0: it could. I mean, he's you know he clearly uh, has a, a brain for it. We'll just so we'll just
1: say that you're maybe he the, just
0: runs into that word. Yeah,
1: you're the transparency optimist. I'm the syllable optimist. <laughs> is how we'll we'll le- leave things with this discussion. The syllab optimist. <laughs> exactly. That's me. <laughs> All right. Well, so we will, I guess, monitor these predictions throughout the year, and at the end of the year, there will be a, a time of reckoning. We'll see who, who whose came true and whose didn't. I, I'm, I'm sensing wait. a probable... Over six, maybe coming, but we'll see.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I, I this is yet another thing we can look forward to for the end of the year uh, episodes, and it gives us, uh, you know, I, I'm I don't know about you, Will, but I'm going to be following these all year long. Oh, definitely. You know, I, I'm going to be checking boxes, you know, tally marks, whatever it takes. We're going to figure this out, and and uh, I'm looking forward to having more correct predictions than you.
1: Uh, well, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, mm-hmm. I I think my last one's already in the bag, but we'll see what happens well i think that's enough for this episode um i'd love to hear if if any listeners have predictions just like just like uh, we had some folks write in some of their favorite rums from the year send in your predictions to host at rumcast.com that's h-o-s-t at rumcast.com or you can also message them to us on our various social media accounts Mm -hmm. john where can they find those well, we are uh, at the Rumcast at
0: Instagram. We are uh, Facebook. We've we've seen a, a trend uh, this past month, by the way. Will with Facebook, we we've been uh, gaining a lot on Facebook. So thank thank you to those of you who have been sharing. Yes, uh, thank you. There, because you know we what we try to do really, and and hopefully you all that are listening have noticed this. We really try hard not to push things into people's faces. Yeah. Um. We we will share occasionally, and we will try to find where it makes sense online to share when we release episodes. But we're really not about that life of uh, trying to push things into every channel in every corner of the universe simultaneously and cramming then, stuff down you know, people's throats exactly so we would appreciate it if you all continue to follow us on those channels Facebook Instagram Twitter and YouTube where we release our content and then you know if you find it worthwhile let others know about it give Tell us a your share. friends give us a like you know whatever it is give us that five stars that we love so much <laughs>
1: and um, yeah so that that's where we're at all right well we'll be back i think in uh another week or two with some more some more rum stuff maybe some fun guests to kick off 2022 oh yeah but uh until then i'll see you next time all right